Welcome back to part two of the Josh Brooks TT podcast. In part one, we went all the way through Australia, your world championship debuts, winning in Phillip Island in the Supersport class. And we fast forward all the way to British Superbikes now. We're at 2013 and you decided you wanted a piece of action on the Isle of Man TT. So you came across with the Taiko Suzuki team. How did you go about transitioning from, and we've spoke about this off camera, these Australian tracks that you used to race at, big wide open plains. Mm. Like you said, if you missed your braking marker, you just go straight through the desert, turn around and come back. Mm. You come to Alton Park, you come to Cadwell Park, it's a completely different kettle of fish, but then take it up another notch, you decide that you want the walls slightly closer, you want some houses, some street <laughs> furniture. Like, w- why? Um, it's just... It's just the lure of the event. Like I said, when, when I first um, arrived, you know, at the start-finish area and saw bikes coming through, they're race bikes. That's all I've done all my all my life. Um, so if there's a race, then I want in. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. just it's, you can't help it. It's just, you're just drawn in. That's what you've done all, all your life. So, I mean, obviously I thought about um, the fact that, it's, that you're more exposed, but uh, I had a motorcycle license on the road before I had a car license. So I'd done years of riding on the road, commuting to work and, you know, being amongst traffic and buses and, you know, trying to ride old crappy bikes that I could afford as fast as they could go. And even that sometimes wasn't above the speed limit, you know, because they were so crappy, you know. But um, it was, uh, yeah, so I I was like, well, it's actually a perfect um, match, you know I mean? It's got my my road riding that I've done, you know, for years. Mm And my racing that I've done all my life, and we're going to merge the two. It it just seemed like why not? Why yeah. wouldn't I? It just it you know. And, and in fact, I kind of questioned myself why I hadn't done this before. I was like, why have I waited so long to get really? to get into this? And I actually felt like the urgency to get on the grid seemed to be uh, elevated. I was like, I, I don't want to miss another year, you know, because uh, I, I actually asked to do it. I didn't go about it the right. I didn't actually even know the right way to go about it. After um, after I'd come in two thousand and nine, I said to like Harvey and and Neil Tuxworth, who were in control of Honda, said, "Oh, I'd I'd do the TT," you know. And I think they thought I was just looking for a reaction or something like that. I don't think mm-hmm. they actually really took it seriously. And then um, it's sort of like I think, and also. I didn't know how long the preparation was, so I didn't know if you just sort of mentioned it a couple of weeks before and they put a bike in for you. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, I, I genuinely didn't really know what, what to do about going racing, so I kind of mentioned it a couple of times, but it, it never, it never. I don't think it took any traction. Mm-hmm. So then I then moved um, for BSB. I ended up moving to Taiko Suzuki, um, which at the time was Relentless Suzuki at first. So... Um, I spoke to Philip Neal because they did the TT as well. So it was just happened to be, you know, from one team that does TT or another team that does out, TT. You didn't look out for them as a team that did the TT and went It wasn't. Uh, the primary focus at the time was, was to get, you know, a, a good, um, a good, you know, uh, team for BSB. And um, I felt like that was a good move. But as a byproduct, I had a, a, a roads option as well. So um, I spoke to Philip Neal about it and he kind of really shut it down. He was like, no, nah, you don't need to do it. You, you know, there's no point in you focusing on that you can just focus on the on the bsb and um so i kind of like went back in my shell a little bit and then but then when i was at the tt in 11 because again i went to yeah. as a spectator it really heightened that that interest to go um 
So I really put forward to go and ride it in 2012. And I even done it like I didn't get it over the line to actually get on the grid, but I did a parade lap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I convinced them enough that I was like really interested, but it just wasn't enough to get a, an entry. And then the following year, 2013, so it was a quite a long period of time, yeah. me chipping away, trying to find like a, an opening. Mm-hmm. And, um, and at that time, there wasn't, I don't know, I mean, there was certainly people going, you know, doing BSB and, and the TT at, at that time. But it, it wasn't, to me, it felt like there was a bit of a divide at that time. Um, that's how it felt to me anyway. So I felt like I, I was sort of going against the grain a little mm-hmm. bit. And um, so I, I actually end up having a conversation with Philip and I said, look, if you don't let me ride the TT this year, I'm going to go and sign for Padgett's or someone that will let me, yeah. you know, ride the TT. And I felt like I didn't really want it to be an ultimatum, but that's an, essentially what it was. Mm. And he said to me, well, um, I'm not paying you to do it. Like he didn't, he thought maybe I was doing it for the wrong reasons. So he was saying, I hope you don't think that there's a big like uh, financial incentive that's luring you over to do this, this risky event. So he said, oh, you can do it, but I'm not, I'm not paying you a cent. You can do it all all on your own. Like in like get over there with your, with your camper or Mm -hmm. whatever you do. Like he'll obviously supply the bike and, and the equipment to do it. But it wasn't. He, he made it very clear it wasn't to be a financial motivation. And I was like, "Yep, cool, right, we're on, we're locked in." So that's that's sort of how that came. It was quite a it's quite a challenge to get to actually get on the grid. So do you think that was a bit of a test from him to say, if you're serious about this, you'd do it? Oh, definitely, one hundred percent was a test. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He he just wanted to know that it was like motivated. By the right for the right and reasons. Was he fully behind you and supporting you to go yeah. forward with that. And 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 honestly, I couldn't have been a better um, platform to start the T the TT. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I had um, a fully kind of like prep, like a team that has absolute years of experience at being prepped for the for the Ironman TT. Mm-hmm. Um, the bike I was on was what the same or was the bike I had been racing every weekend in BSB. So I just hopped on a bike that was absolutely familiar to me, and then just set off on a track that I was, you know, a little bit unfamiliar with, but it, it was the perfect environment. Like I, I um, feel so lucky really to have had that opportunity. There must be so many races that have, have wanted to race, but then, you know, how many TT races have had to, you know, buy a bike, prep a bike, mm-hmm. get it over on, on in a van, have them, their dad and their uncle and their friend and their neighbor come and help, you know, spanner the bike during the tt period and they maybe don't have any tt experience so you've got to kind of you know coach them it's just, it, yeah. it's just a you know honestly i feel so lucky to have had the opportunities i've had to to ride in, in the tt in the way that i've got in you know yeah. and i don't envy any of the guys that have got to do it kind of like the grassroots way yeah uh, what was yeah. your preparation like i think it was good um i I come over here a lot of, like I can't think how many times I come over but obviously I've already explained how long it was before mm. I actually got the entry so every year that I came um, when I didn't race I was looking at the track with the idea that I was going to race the next year and even though it was the year after and the year after before it happened yeah. each time I came I was thinking well I need to learn this place you know and so I'd borrow a bike or I'd you know even one time I even did a bus tour with John McGuinness he wasn't telling much about the track but you know I mean I thought well you know he was, he was making more jokes than he was talking about the actual track itself yeah. but um, yeah I did a bus tour and uh, yeah he thought yeah if I can learn anything I'll learn it from anyone you know I've, I've been around the, the track with um, 
with Jason Griffith, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. a whole list of people, you know, anyone that I saw that's ever been around the track before, I was like, hey, do you want to jump in the car? We'll go and do a lap, you know. So I was just like trying to be open-minded as possible and be a sponge and, you know, learn as much as I could from anybody. And, you know, you might do a whole lap and only learn one thing from that particular person you went around with, but that one thing is maybe better than not yeah, having had it at it all. The, the rest of the So story. I don't know exactly, but I did a kind of like a, a guesstimation of how many times I'd been here and how many laps I could remember doing. And I, I'd got it in the vicinity of about 100 laps I'd done in a car or or a bus or a bike or yeah. whatever. Um, and I got to the point where I'd exhausted going around in a car. Like even if I come again and again, I don't think I got, I, I just got that point. I was like, it, it doesn't matter. I, I can't do any more laps in a car and learn anything more. I know where the track goes. You're ready to ride. The only thing I can do now that's actually going to be of any value to me is wait for them to give me free, free reign to and go. Again, it's a completely different beast. Oh, when, most, you're, when you let loose the scariest lap I ever, I've ever done around here was the lap after Milky because I knew where I was going so I knew all you're the tracking after your very first lap behind yeah so you, behind when, when they give you the newcomers lap you set off and uh, so I went around around the circuit and um, you just sort of um, just following the leader sort of thing you're in a row of three or four or five riders and you just follow on the leader and then after that lap's done, you've had your, you know, initiation lap and Milky comes in and um, then right now you're on your own. So I think, oh, okay, I'll set off. And then it, it's so so weird how much you think you know, but you only know it at 30 mile an hour because that's how many, like you've done 100 yeah. laps of the track, but you've only done it at 30 mile an hour in sections because that's the speed limit. Yep. So when you come into a corner at 100 mile an hour, it looks a lot different than what it does at 30 mile an hour. So all of a sudden, like corners that you didn't even know were corners have become corners. Like kinks become and corners. Yeah, yeah. And like, and then there's bits that you really thought were important and they, they just evaporate. They, they, don't disappear. Even, they just disappear. You don't even notice them. You think, why was I focused so much on that, that, that area learning it? And, yeah. it? and it's just just straight through it. It's like a, a straight line. So once you'd, once you'd gone out after Milky, what part of the course did you find was the easiest to pick up, the easiest to learn? through kind of uh, closed circuit racing most people which was surprised most people always come and go oh, they, you must love the, the the mountain because you come from short circuit I hated the mountain I, I like for years I hated the mountain because I just there was no reference point I felt like I was on the surface of the moon compared yeah. to it just it just felt like so alien up there and you know you'd roll into corners and like 50p in the the, the, the apexes and yeah. it just it took me a long time before I got comfortable um, on the mountain um, the bits that came, um, I think, not easy, but that came quickly are all the like famous points because they're the points that you remember the most, like the um, the bottom of Bray Hill. You know what I mean? It's like er- everybody that's been here knows that corner. You yeah. know? So it's just one that really like logs in your head. It's so familiar because people talked about it so Did much. Did I kill dislike it? No, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. No, I never, I've never really had any, any fear with... Like obviously people highlight the the bottom of bray hill and make out like it's this really um you know treacherous section of the track but um see for me well, we ask this question a lot yeah. though, mm. you know and uh, obviously we, we spoke Chris yeah. Asher about setting up from the start line man comes off his shoulder the, 
my my first thought was, oh God, I got to go down that Bray Hill again. Yeah, with the full tank of gas and cold tires. Yeah, uh, because it wasn't the bottom; it was the fast approach, approach. and the blind approach of the left kink, getting getting that left kink right before the. Yeah, well, right the top the... the top of Bray Hill is intimidating. I found that bit like just after St Ninians when you got to do this like bit of a, a bit of a weave at yeah. the top of the of the hill there. That was intimidating. I didn't enjoy that so bit like, at first. That's literally like dropping off the the face of the earth. But as soon really... as you can see to the bottom, it's like it's that that's it meant then up, you're yeah. whoo, flying through. But I've um yeah, so I found that that I've gotten most comfortable with all the famous parts, you know, like um Bluff Bridge and Solby Strait and you mm -hmm. know uh, Ginger Hall and you know all these like landmark points like they were bits that I learned and remembered the quickest because they were like they were like significant points yeah. on the track and then I had to just fill in the blurry bits in between yeah so just connect the dots yeah so they they were the they were the bits I got kind of confident with first and then I had to yeah as I say like fill in the blanks a few areas took a while to really find find your way through. Um, what did you hate the most? Most uneasy with um, section. There's a couple of there's a couple of spots. So I don't know why. Like I know that I make these errors, but I still I still re replay the errors each time I do it. So <laughs> when you're coming to towards um, Gorse Lee, it's a it's a fast right, but it's there's a, there's a right hander just before it, like with building yep. stone buildings before it, and I always turn too much. So then I've got track on the left so i've actually got to steer left you're before wasting, i wasting track but yeah so yeah. but where if you just let the bike roll right out to the edge you're in the perfect spot to take the next right hander but because i turned too much at the first one then i have to actually consciously go left again to then be in the right place and i do it over and over again i'm sure i can't remember exactly the last laps i did i'm sure i, I got the better of it but I, I just remember repeating these same mistakes and you come into an area and you, and you think, right, don't do it this lap and you still do the same thing again anyway. It's like this self-preservation is stronger than your conscious mind. Um, another one is like breaking into Henleys. Like I'd, I'd, I'd accelerate and I'd, I'd jump on the brakes and then I'd almost have to get back on the throttle again because I'd brake so early. <laughs> and, um, and then you'd tell yourself, right, remember last lap, how early you got on the brakes? You can go a lot later, like a lot, lot later. You know that. And then you, you, your hand, you watch your hand still go, and you're like, stop it, hand. You know, like, we, we've got to, we've got to yeah. keep going. And then um, another one that's, um, that I mess up regularly is, um, so Rain Cullen, you, at the end of Kirk Michael, there's yep. a fast left-hander, and then you, you come over a rise, and then it goes into a bumpy right. So over that rise and that position, and then getting into that bumpy right, I've just, I've, I don't think I've ever gone through there and went, oh, that was sweet, I got it. Yeah. Every single time I come through, nah, that was bad. That was bad. But then there's other bits like the next jump that jumps down the hill. Love that jump. Can't, I look forward to it. I can't wait every time. Boom, straight over and like just mint, you know. So, um, and then I was surprised. Like I was in the in the van with um, with Hickey last night, and we're driving through that next section, like the Alpine section. Yep. And um, he, he was saying, oh, you know, I don't know about now, but he, he was, he was um, speaking of times when he goes, oh, I just wasn't really confident through here. And I was like, that's a bit that I never really even thought of. You know I mean? Yeah. I've, I've always kind of thought it's pretty much flat through full, there, full isn't gas. it? Yeah, yeah, full gas. And, yeah. and like you kind of got to roll off for the, uh, as you go over like a rise and a right-hander yeah. at Alpine. But apart from that, it's, it's, it's pretty like, for me, I've just thought, well, I don't know why, but that bit came pretty natural to me. 
And then, so everyone has their own speed and way of learning, I suppose. So there's, there's, it's different for everybody. Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to be sat in the back of that van and listening to them talk. It was, as a fan, it was absolutely fascinating to hear the different, the differences in gear changes, how they both approach a corner slightly differently. And the fact that someone like yourself and Pete, uh, what, what part, there was somewhere where Pete was like, oh, I don't like this bit. And you just wouldn't think as the fastest man, Around, around track, you'd, you'd have, a would bit have any feel. Like. Yeah. So with with that, obviously moving on to two thousand and twenty three, um, do you think that's a positive or a negative having the fastest man around? The oh, TT definitely, or? definitely a positive. Obviously, it's a negative if you want to try and beat him. Yeah. Um, but I know but that's, I, it doesn't matter which team. Is that not Josh Brooks's mindset to beat him? Yeah. Oh, I think so at some point. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't. I don't sit here now and think, oh, right, this year's this year's target is to try and beat Peter Hickman. I think that would that's. I mean, people would say, oh, you've lost you, you. you've lost your racing edge, <laughs> but um, I I just you know with the time I've had off and the and the speed that he's got, you know, and I know that I've got the ingredients for it. Like I've, um, we're very close matched at BSB, um, with our lap times and stuff like that. So I know I've got the what it takes there to to match what what he can do on a bike, um. We're in the same team, so we've got the same equipment. Um, you know, I've I've had a lot of um, like I was the fastest newcomer in thirteen. He was the fastest newcomer in fourteen. You know, what I mean, like so we're very much on a on a level playing field in a lot of aspects of how we're we're ready to go racing. But um, having four year, four TT years away, um, it's a, that's a big that's a big gap to fill. You know, so uh, I. Yeah, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a realistic or or a good healthy decision to come in here going, Yeah, yeah, I think I'm gonna turn up there and I'm gonna beat Peter Hickman, you know. I mean it just I don't think you can ever have that. Yeah, well, I wouldn't anyway. Yeah, but so, it's more the case of and I was joking. Yeah. Um, I think on paper no, not, it's not it's that a, you're not capable. I don't, I don't mean yeah. that. But um so what really is you I mean you've done thirty one seven on the Norton last time he's here, which is been yeah. fast, you know. I've done a lot of riding on that Norton and it's a, that's a that's good times, you know, yeah. very respectable. Um, so what would what will you be what would Josh Brooks be happy with at the end of 2003 as in a lap time I'm not really worried about the results because results yeah I don't really know what the target should be like I mean I think it's already um, predetermined it's pre-fixed whatever speed my body and mind and skills can can um, endure you know what I mean so uh, like, uh, like I was saying to you before there's like this self-preservation mechanism that's stronger than your conscious mind steps in and stops you from from doing things that are too dangerous mm -hmm. so when my my vision and and feeling of the bike and the track are at ease it'll let me go quicker and quicker and i can't control that to a degree obviously it's me um doing physical work but it's my um i i guess whatever you're born with that's inside of you that allows you to to operate at a speed and and how quickly you learn the track and learn the, the learn the task at hand is going to determine what speed I can do. So that might mean I can do it on the second day of practice, or mm -hmm. it might mean until the last day of the last race of the of the racing week. You know, what I mean, I I don't know how quickly that journey is gonna is gonna process, but I can't force it. It's one of those things you have to just let it be what it is. So I can try and speculate where I think is is possible. But I don't actually know until I've until I felt it. So, it's it, it it's got to be something that that I um, I experience as as you all watch it. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's going to be. You, you seem a like journey. a very logical 
you go about your business very <clears> logically. <throat> um, but do you feel like when you look back now, those years that you've missed, the fact that you were on the Norton, that we can say, well, it wasn't capable of potentially winning. Mm. Do you feel like if you were on better machinery and you'd not taken those years out, that you could be there or thereabouts where Pete and Dean are now? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'd have to believe that. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't be sat here like lining up to do it if I didn't think that was possible. Um, so, yeah, I do. I think if, if I was given the same opportunity and time and, and op, you know, options to, to, to progress at yeah. the same rate, I think, yeah, I'd be, I'd be on that podium um, battling with uh, whoever's there on the day. So um, my, I just, my prediction is Josh Brooks were getting in the 34s by senior. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. I mean, I'd I'd be happy with that. I mean, I mean, no matter in what a, happens, a, I'm not going to be angry. Fashion. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I'd like Depending to. I'd like weather, to think so. And yeah, there's so many, and, there's so many variables. But you know, within your career, are there any other disciplines that you want to attack? Are there any other goals uh, that you want to achieve? Yeah, World endurance, the, the eight hour, twenty four hours. Off, you're a massive motocross fan. You've got a huge collection of of motocross bikes back yeah. home, you know. Um, is that something you like to have? A, you know, your big mates with David Knight. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you like to... Yeah, I mean, I... I, I, I know you're not a spring chicken anymore, obviously. No, no, I'm not, not a spring chicken. Me. Yeah, that's <laughs> something that I, I think about um, a bit more these days. But um, something that, I mean, like standing on the podium at Suzuka was pretty, you know, awesome. We got second. So I feel like I've got unfinished business there. But I don't know, you know, um, when that opportunity might present itself again, you know? So um, every time I race Suzuka 8 hour, I swear I'll never go back again. But um, so I'm like, I'm wondering, should I listen to my mind that said I'm never going back? Honestly, it's torture and it's so torturous, that event. Because it's, of the, the, the heat, humidity. The heat, it's a, it's a you sprint cannot, race. You cannot, I've never been set light to, but it's the near, I believe it's the nearest you'll ever get. When you put the pit lane limit on, come down pit lane, you've got all the heat off the really? flipping engine cut. Right, mate, you just cannot, it's painful. Yeah. It's only, uh, only people that could relate properly yeah. to it is people that have ridden the, the event. It's so painful. And it's, it's, it's eight hours on, on lap record pace. Yeah, it's like a BSB yeah. sprint race um, for eight, eight hours. hours. And it's so torturous. And I made it onto the podium. We got second one year and um, we were so close. Like we were, we were a genuine chance of, of have had things gone a little better, we were a genuine chance mm -hmm. of, of winning. So it was it was a beautiful moment to be on the podium. That's so, so cool. But um, it's yeah, actually no. easier than 24 hours. Yeah, okay. I've never done a 24 hour. I've, I've toyed with the idea of doing world endurance, like a 24 hour race. Some of my friends um, say, oh, you'd be perfect for a 24 hour race because yeah, you know, I, I tend to be um, like a bit of a diesel in in the way that you know when I'm when I'm when I'm going, I kind of get my pace and I just keep Chug going on. and going You'd and just keep chugging. And along. The biggest thing, the biggest reason is because you need to adapt all the time. Yeah, it might be a crash bike. I mean, something not quite right with a with a tire, with a with a, you know with a component with something. You've got to read it. You've got to feel that. You've got to adjust to it and still be fast. And you're on a shared bike with yep. a bunch of other riders, so you never have the bike how you want it. It's how everybody. I, I love it. Works I it. love. Are you setting up a team or something? Are you trying to? No, no, no. Because I know what Josh is like. He's, yeah. he's, in, he's very uh, mechanically minded. He's, he's into his two strokes, four strokes, mm -hmm. and so on. But just and he can adapt well yeah. to different things uh, when he's riding so I think it'd be really yeah yeah so I've toyed with the ideas of doing like some world endurance races I've been asked to do a few and I've had to like oh no it doesn't work with my BSB preparation and stuff like that so I've been I've been close to doing some world endurance races and obviously I've done the Suzuka 8 hour um, 
But uh, so yeah, what, what about what about some motocross? Some of the vet stuff on your some of your old five hundred motocross bikes. Well, I've got, I've done I've done that. I ended up I rode um, Farley Castle um, in. I haven't seen you, but you're supposed to be half decent on a. Yeah, I, I try to be. I don't like not my as good style. As your brother, obviously. No, but. no, not as good as him. But um, I, I, I don't like my style on a bike. I never had any coaching as a kid, so I developed some really bad like riding posture technique, mm-hmm. and I've just carried that all my life. And I've tried to like break away because you watch like pros in motocross pictures and videos, and you think, oh, they look so cool on the bike, and then you see a picture of yourself, and you're like, oh god, is that how I look? <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I can ride. I would say quite fast on a motocross bike, but I'm not proud of how how it looks. So I think I, sh- I I consciously try and improve my technique and and styling, but it doesn't it doesn't I'd, come I'd take naturally. I style any day of the week. But um, I, I did ride the the Farley Castle Vets motocross donations a few years ago. Uh, Philip Neal went mad because obviously <laughs> I didn't tell anyone. Just entered and raced. And he was like, can you imagine if you got injured? I'd have to ring up, you know, um, the, the manufacturer and say, oh, yeah, we're not at the next BSB round because our riders got cra- got injured, crashed his motocross bike in a motocross race. So um, so then uh, I went, the, the I, think, I don't know if it was the following year, it might have been the year after, but um, I got someone else to enter. So my name wasn't on the um, on the entry list to try and avoid um, being found out, and, you rocked off. and I got dragged off the grid because someone <laughs> recognised me, and I was, I was telling like people were hovering around me, going, "Oh, hey, George," you know, and I'm going, "Go away, like, go," you know. <laughs> and there was a, there was a guy, um, there was, and uh, there was a guy like one of the officials or whatever. He, he I don't know how he clocked through the goggles and the helmet <laughs> and stuff on because I was, I was always like keeping my head down and things like that. But so I don't know, maybe someone pulled his shirt and said, oh, yeah, that's Josh Brooks Brilliant. over there at what? But anyway, dragged me off the grid and I says, look, I can't enter the race under my own name because I don't want to get in, in trouble. And he, he wasn't buying it. I don't know what he thought I was doing, but um, yeah, so he gave me a load, of, a load of grief with that and actually got a letter from the ACU and things like that. But not I wasn't so actually boring. even licensed in the ACU. I was licensed in Australia. Oh, right. So it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like there was a, a disconnect. But either way, I was like, all right, that's it. I, I don't need headaches in my racing i just i'll just stick to what i do yeah. and i won't you know create waves anymore I'll, I'll just be a good boy so um so i have i have toyed with doing some motocross events but i ride motocross all the time like for training but i consciously avoid races races because i have that that um, lack of self-restraint when it's a race you know, i mean you always go that bit further i can practice weeks and months and for years in fact without injury but then when there's a race you sort of always turn it up a bit don't yeah, you so knock it to 11 i try and uh i try and re- restrain from the racing we're gonna finish off steve yeah quick yeah. fires right quick fire questions i hate quick fire questions it's one not, or the other i'm not, not any i haven't got a quick fire brain <laughs> just two just one or the other okay Nothing else. okay that's all right I can beer go. or wine beer two stroke or four stroke two Pineapple or never pineapple on a pizza? No, pineapples are right on a pizza. Good lad. McDoon or Casey Stoner? McDoon. Sorry, Casey. Okay. Peter Hickman or David Knight? If you have to be quick, I don't know. What's the basis of that question? Um, You answer how you feel you need to answer it. David Knight. Grandstand to Balacrane or Ginger Hall to Ramsey? Oh, Grandstand to Balacrane. Easy. Motocross Grand Prix winner or Senior TT winner? Oh, Senior TT, yeah, 100%. Uh, 
carburetors or fuel injection? Oh, fuel injection, but I have to support my comment with a whole long <laughs> conversation, but no, fuel injection. Cambridge, UK or Sydney, Australia? Sydney, Australia. 2023 British Superbike champion or TT winner? TT winner. Good answer. Nice one. Josh, best of luck. We'll see you up on the grid soon. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. So there we have it, Steve. Josh Brooks, like I said at the top, no real pressure on him to perform, but he's chomping at the bit to to prove himself again back here, isn't he? Without doubt. He's such an interesting character, you know, um, as well. Uh, again, we could have him back on podcast and talk so much. Yeah, his, again, I've shared a, a taxi with him a couple of times while I've been on the island. But he paid. They were free. <laughs> so it didn't matter. But my point being, as soon as he gets rolling with, with, with any mechanical questions, like we were sat with the virtuals, he was just asking them all about the, the engine, what they're doing to the engine, how they make it perform, how they get more performance out of it. He's so mechanically minded. And again, you look at him as, as one of those riders, two times British Superbike champion, who just goes, where's my bike? And goes, but he likes to be in the trenches with the boys, doesn't he? Talent, yeah, massive talent. And uh, yeah, I think... Uh, He's still I sticking by that podium prediction? 100%, yep. He'll be on the podium this year. Yeah. I'd like to see it. Yeah, but then again, you need a podium of like ten riders of who we want to see on the podium. I know, I know. Yeah, this has been the Josh Brooks episode of the TT Podcast. Make sure you leave us a review and you like and you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen or watch these podcasts. We've got more star-studded guests coming and a big podcast next week as we preview TT 2023. That episode will be out on the 26th of May, just days before the start of the TT. Make sure you subscribe because we are going daily throughout the whole fortnight of the TT as well. Until then, though, Steve, I guess I'll catch you out on the island again. Hey, it'd be like having a full-time job. Never. <laughs> <laughs>